What's up, everybody? We are back for episode number two of the Just an Insight podcast. Uh, thanks, everyone, who listened to the first episode and for the kind words that we received and feedback. It seemed like everyone enjoyed the little chat that I had with Svalbard, which is great news for me because it's first time doing this, getting a thumbs up. Always good. Uh, for those who are unaware, my name is Tim Birkbeck. I am a writer. I am a lover of films, music and wrestling. But most importantly, I am your body and vehicle through this podcast. Uh, since episode one, I've been up to a few things. Uh, went and saw La La Land in the cinema the other day and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, not quite sure if it was good enough to be up for all these awards that it's tipped to win. But there you go, each to their own. Uh, you can read my review of uh, La La Land over at the Justin Insight uh, website, which is justininsight.wordpress.com. Uh, also, I recently watched and caught up with the uh, most recent Progress Wrestling chapter, chapter 42, uh, which was their first show in, in Birmingham. Uh, my personal highlight of the show was seeing Jack Sexsmith superkick Sebastian in Ugg Slippers, which was pretty cool. Um, that show also had a, an added significance for, for myself because... It gave me the, the chance to interview a Rockstar Spud of TNA fame for uh, the Steel Chair magazine, uh, which you can read over on their website, which is uh, vulturehound.co.uk. Uh, it was it was great talking to Spud because um, even though he kind of plays a, a comedy character on TNA, which most people will know him for, um, he kind of blazed the trail for a lot of the UK guys and is still really humble about what he does um, and how he got into the business. And the situ any situation that he's put into, he always gives 110% and that always comes across in his character. Anyway, on to today's episode, episode two. Um, I managed to sit down with vocalist and guitarist of The Saddest Landscape, Andy Maddox, uh, while they were out in mainland Europe with Svalbard. Uh, it was really awesome seeing those guys because they've been a band for 15 years and every single night, every single city that we were in, went on stage and just absolutely killed it. It was incredible. Um, Got to know them quite well over the, the nine days that we were away and they were really kind enough to let me join them on the stage for the end of uh, one of my favourite songs which is Eternity is Lost for the on the Dying uh, for a couple of the shows which was really cool. Uh, one thing that I learned about Andy which like I got to know, as I said, got to know him throughout the nine days as he's a huge collector of vinyl and literally every single city that we went into he was scoping out record stores that he could find um, and see if he could pick up a few few bargains so anyway i hope you enjoyed the episode uh, the sound was a little bit echoey because the only place we could find to record was uh outside the toilet in the venue in antwerp so maybe a bit of an echo so apologies if the sound isn't the greatest i will see you on the other side and enjoy the episode cheers guys <laughs> Right, so currently sat in the venue in Antwerp with Andy from the Saddest Landscape. Um, been on tour for the last eight days, is it eight? Nine? Nine? Nine, yeah. Yeah. Um, all across mainland Europe. So how, from your point of view, how's, how's the tour been so far? Uh, tour's been great so far. Uh, every night, you know, a fair amount of kids come out, been very energetic and receptive and, you know, kind of made us feel at home, like all the way on the other side of the world. So. I don't think we could really ask for much, yeah. you know, beyond that. You know, we're very thankful that this is the experience we had and we continue to have after, you know, 15 years or whatever. So, it's good. Has there been any particular shows that stood out to you? Um, all of them in their own way. Uh, you know, we, we, 
kind of talk about this after each show, but uh, I, I remember the the Warsaw show in, in Poland being a definite high point. Like, you know, it's just freezing and bleeding <laughs> down there. I think they said it was like negative 20 or something. And to show up and they just have, you know, a packed room, like, just very energetic and, and just giving it their all and, like, you know, singing along every word, like, grabbing me to the point that I was like crowd surfing, which I don't always do, yeah. like, you know, and just being very receptive and open and just letting everything go for that hour that we played and just being part of this whole experience, so, you know, that really stood out. Uh, Italy was kind of wild, like the, we got a little unhinged for a bit, and um, which is good, I'm trying to remember how it's kind of when you're in tour, a lot of the days just kind of blur together, yeah, so it's hard to kind of figure it out. From there, Prague was really, really fun. There were some really, really cool, nice people there that uh, just, you know, it's it good to kind of talk to after and kind of hear about yeah. their, their scene in their area, what they're into, and, you know, so uh, it's good. And so obviously, from being with you guys for, for the whole time, obviously, after every show, you kind of say, like, if you want to come up and speak to us, then feel free. And from speaking yeah. to you, like, a lot of like the kids at shows have been sort of receptive and they've told you their stories as to why they're so passionate about your music so has it been kind of interesting obviously being kind of so far away from home that your music has touched the kids in Europe and they've had different sort of takes on your on your music yeah I mean, I, I always is but I, I think the, the the core principle of that is that you know like the feelings or the subject matters that like I write lyrics about or sing about they're it's not anything unique to me it's mm. universal like you know love, regret, hope, like, sadness, happiness, like, it's, it's things that people all over the world feel, so they can, and I think that's part of what appeals to it, it's just like, you know, kids tell me, like, about their lives and what they're going through, and then they can just somehow connect to this and, and not feel alone anymore, and that's just really important, and, you know, so, and yeah, I encourage it, because it's, you know, I don't want to be necessarily one of those bands that spends half our set talking in between the songs. Yeah. It's like, but it's like, you know, it is important to me, like, what these are about, and like, I, you know, we connect with people and let them understand that, you know, we're people just like them, and, you know, it's not just a band and an audience, like, we're, it's something larger, we're all together as part of this, and, you know, we, I want to remain accessible and have that connection and let people, you know, know that I appreciate it and that, you know, and a lot of people come to me with like kind of sadder tales. I want to know like you things can get better, mm. you know. And like there are people that understand that even though you feel completely alone, you're not. Yeah. You know, so. And basically, um, the website that I do this for is called Just an Insight. So the kind of tag that I'm kind of looking to do is get an insight into how the band started. So if you can give us sort of like a, a brief history of how the Sadness Landscape kind of came about in the first place. Um, sure. Um, we started 15 years ago, which seems like a very long time ago. <laughs> um, it was originally myself and our other guitarist, who's uh, a guy named C, and he, uh, him and I had the original idea for the band. Um, and he and C went to school with Jeremiah, who was our original bassist, and Jeremiah knew Aaron, who was our, who's always been our drummer, still our drummer to this day. We kind of got together, and, and the idea was just kind of to write, write really kind of passionate, melodic, explosive songs, and like, like 
think I phrased at one point that subject matter was like kind of taking pages of your diary and turning them into mm. anthems, like you know that sort of yeah. approach to it. And so we just did that, and uh, you know it started a little slowly at first, but we got you know once we got a few songs written, went and recorded and, uh, the demo, which ultimately became the cover of Heart Seven Inch, which is our first release, and. Uh, you know, and then we started playing shows and just getting out there and kind of, you know, when you're a newer band, you, you, you're not sure where you fit in, mm. so you kind of just throw yourself in any situation you can and yeah. sort of find your audience that way. And there, were, there was a lot of doing that, and it was just, you know, you're younger and hopeful, and you're just like, Let, let's see what we can do, because this is important to me, or important to us, and, you know, think that, like, if you really believe in it, that... Hopefully that will carry over people's gauge that sincerity and, and get something out of it. I think that's what happened to us, and you know that's why you know things like you're talking to me 15 years yeah, ago, yeah. somewhere at work. Yeah, and obviously you and Aaron are the two original members left off. So how did kind of bringing Andy too and Dan into the band kind of come about? Uh, well, through a long list of members. Um, yeah, because there was that initial lineup I spoke of, and Jeremiah left, and we got Hunter to play for him. Then Hunter left, and C had to go to do some things, or life just happened, yeah. I guess, you know. And so, you know, we didn't play for a little period, just, you know, a year and a half or so, or maybe on timelines blur, but through that time, Aaron and I kept playing together. We were in a side band called for Rough on Glass, so the two of us did. So we never stopped playing together. Mm. And then at some point, we were just like realizing the interest of Sabbath's landscape was substantial, and then we kind of got over the, you know, oh, well, we can't do it without the original lineup. We yeah. can't do this, and then it was, so we got our friend uh, Mike Safford to kind of, he initially came on board to play bass, and then we were a three-piece. And then we realized like we're a band that just is better with two guitars. Yeah, yeah. And it like frees me up to do some things and it just adds in a whole other layer. So Mike switched over to guitar and then we got another Mike to play bass. Then Mike guitar left and then Eric came in and played guitar. And then Mike on bass left and then Jeff came in and played bass briefly. Then Jeff left and that's when we got Andy too. Yeah. So that was the introduction of we refer to him as Beta. Yeah. There's two, so he's Andy Beta. And he's been with us for quite a while, and it's there, he was just the perfect fit. And that's not a slight at any of the other bass players, but it was we knew he was the guy. Yeah, you know, we played, and he's got the right attitude, the right presence. I mean, the dude looks like he was born to be on stage. <laughs> yeah, and he's just he's the guy. You know, and you know, it, it, it was great to have him. So we did that for a bit, and then. We had Ryan playing second guitar from, he was in that band, My Fictions. Summer Jason was in there at some point. We had quite a bit of members. And then eventually we got Dan. Dan was originally uh, just going to fill in and play for the Euro Tour. We did with Frameworks a couple of years ago. Yeah. But uh, we just got along and he's just got a lot of good ideas and he's, he's able to do it. And he just, so then we gradually started writing with him and, you know, we did Darkness Forgives with him playing. And, you know, from that, like, this became the lineup. Mm. It's just, you know, for the past few years, that's what it's been. And, like, we're just so kind, you know, and I think the response is good. And, you know, we're along yeah. every time, so. Hopefully and 
I know. I think we spoke on like the second date or something about obviously you guys coming over to Europe to initially do this sort of fifteen years, yeah. and you've said that you're potentially going elsewhere. But was there a particular reason why, like, you've come back to Europe, like well, mainland Europe specifically, quite a lot? And I, I think I overheard you, you speaking to the guys from Dangers when we crossed paths with them that you seem to get a really good reception in mainland Europe compared to maybe like the UK or somewhere else. Was, was that part of the decision process of, of choosing here to come? It was, but it was also, you know, there, we had done the UK last time we were here mm. and we weren't able to do things like, you know, go to Prague or go to Vienna or go to, you know, so we wanted to kind of see someplace new and not have, you know, anybody there to always feel slighted. And we can only do a tour that's so long like, you know, usually like 10 days to two weeks, like at a time. It's about yeah, yeah. If, you, know, you know, we can afford to be gone from home. Um, so we unfortunately just can't do everything. So we kind of had to make a decision. And, you know, UK, like, mainland Europe is always like a safe bet for us. Like every show seems to go off well. And the UK, it's like, you know, we do well, like, you know, Brighton's okay. It's okay. We didn't have the best turnout last time in like uh, Birmingham and stuff. So it's it kind of depends, you know. But it's we have a good time each time. Okay. It's just if we want to kind of maximize the time we have, you know, we have to be selective about it. And then some of it just comes down to avocado because our booking. Mm. Like they, they presented us this routing and they're like, we think this is going to work. Best. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? And, we looked it over, we talked briefly, and we're like, sure, let's roll with it. Sounds good. And, you know, and sure. Every night we hear from kids who are calling, like, well, why can't you come here? Why yeah, yeah, here? of course. And we just want to be like, you live an hour and a half away. Like, we're coming from halfway around the world. <laughs> yeah. you, you figure that last hour and a half out. Like, you can't go everywhere. Yeah. You know? but, cool. And when you kind of first started the bands, like 15 years ago, did you ever envision, like, the longevity that is? kind of had to the point you, you're now here 15 years later doing an anniversary tour. Yeah, I mean, not really, but you never envision an end either. You mm-hmm. just envision playing because it's important. Yeah. You know, it's, and uh, I think part of like, you know, what's kept us so long too is like, we don't do it full time. Like we're not a band that's on the road eight months a year or something. Cause you know, so it's, we don't burn out as quick and it's just still just, we play when it's important and we, we're, getting something out of it. Yeah. You know, like we're always writing, like I'm always writing lyrics, dance, always coming up with little riffs and like guitar parts like here and there. So it's you know, it's it's good. Like yeah, I, I can't say in the beginning like, yeah, fifteen years from now <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be sitting in Belgium and like talking about this. Like it's it's never that planned. It's usually just, you know, one kind of goal at a time. It's like what can we do next? And where can we go here? Yeah. And like that's just kinda how we approached it. And, just in ways to like keep it exciting and interesting to us. And obviously <coughs> seeing you guys eight eight days in a row, like one thing that always and not seeing you previously as well, some one thing that always stands out is like the energy levels and the passion that you guys have on stage, especially yourself obviously always kind of getting involved with crowds and things like that. Is that kind of something that just adrenaline hits you and you feel that needs to go, or do you feel when you hit on stage you need to perform to an audience? Oh, it's, no, I mean, it's, yeah, I just, you just kind of feel it. It's like, you know, singing what these songs are about and knowing, like, all the backstories, like, like, like in my head, it's just like, I have to, Mm. you know, kind of perform it that way. And then there's a little bit, too, of, like, 
you know, just looking down and seeing the crowd saying, I want to do that. It's like, I just want to be part of that too and celebrate that. And I want to encourage people to, to do that as much as possible. Like where else in life can you go that you can scream as loud as you can and like, just do that, like in a public place and yeah, be part yeah. of this and just, you know, it's like, I want to embrace that part of the culture. I want to knock down that barrier of banning crowd. Like I want to get in there and I want people to just kind of forget everything else in life for that time, you know, because it's, that'll all still be there. It's like, you know, you, you kind of need this. And if it's not from our band, it'd be, it should be from another band or some band. Like, be passionate about something, be passionate about anything. Like, it doesn't have to be music. Mm. But, you know, like, I, I think there's just this fundamental need to just kind of feel alive that way and get that out because it's just, you know, what's the alternative? Yeah. So it's, I think that's more what it is. It's like, you know, there's everything is situational at our shows. Like, everyone is, I think, we don't know what's going to happen. And it's just, you know, we don't write set lists. We kind of just go with, yeah. like, we, you know, all right, this is what we'll start with. We'll probably end with this one. And in the middle, like, let's just kind of see how it all plays out. Well, that's kind of what I'm, that's what I was going to ask. So, obviously, within the sort of 15 years, you've kind of got quite a collection of songs yeah. and obviously you've only got a finite time to, to perform so how because I, I, I obviously I've seen on stage on night you turn to Aaron and be like should we do this one yeah. is it a case of like you have set songs that you know that you're going to play and then some are kind of ad-libbed or is it a discussion that goes on before you go on stage yeah I mean there's a there's a core group of songs that you know I don't want to refer to as our hits but yeah. it's like there's there's just a grouping of them that go over well and we know like the you know a lot of kids those are their favorite sets yes. game songs so it's like you know we're gonna play those because you know you don't want to bum people out like you know you know I no one likes going to see that band it's their favorite <laughs> yeah, band yeah. and they like refuse to play you know the songs like yeah, the yeah. ones because they're too cool for that so fucking no you should feel flattered that a crowd likes something you wrote and it's like we want to embrace that. So those are like kind of the, the standbys, and then like you know we kind of fill the set around that, and it's usually before we go on a tour we spend a bit practicing and getting like you know a big grouping of songs that mm. we kind of rotate through. But as I talked about earlier, we have we've had a number of lineup changes, so yeah. it's you know like Dan and Andy that just, just don't know like a lot of yeah, songs. Of and the reality is like I don't. All of them, like, <laughs> yeah. like really ask yourself, like, could you remember lyrics to a song you wrote 12 years yeah, ago? Yeah, like, word for word, get up on stage and do it. And do you think that maybe as well, like, because of the time period gap, that maybe the, the song meanings have changed, so you don't necessarily want to, to go on to the older stuff, or is, is that not the case? Uh, some, some of the meanings, like, it's not that the initial intent's usually intact, but it's you know, I might not feel it as you know as intensely as I did at the time mm. because it's, you know, life happens and things and like, you know, move, but it's, you know, the songs, even if it's slightly changed for me, they still have that immediate meeting to like kids coming to see it. So yeah. it kind of brings you back to that place and like, you know, you can, you can respond accordingly. But, uh, I don't know. And it's like some of the songs, it's like, you know, it's sometimes hard to pick. I mean, we like before this tour, we publicly asked like, what do people want to hear? Yeah. We're willing to like learn old songs like that's what they want. And like, there's a couple like we started doing like Temptations, You, Stars in January and stuff this tour, and 
it's the first time like we've ever played those with Dan. Like yeah, we them for this tour. Like it's been years because it's we haven't really needed to. You know, it's, get excited for new records, and something happens too over time that you know, like you know, it's the reality is we play in like you know some sort of uh, like loud, like hardcore band or emo band or whatever. And it's like there's a turnover in kids. Like not everybody stays listening yeah, to it for 15, 20 years. So it's like you know, new kids come in, it's all old people go out, and it's, you know, so there, there's like people who don't realize we've been a band for as long as we are. Like, yeah. they, they started and we signed with Top Shelf, and they're like, After the Light, it's a great first record, and it's like, I'm glad that you love it, but there's a history there. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, they only want to hear all the songs like after that. Yeah, of course. So we don't know, like, maybe the older songs aren't going to go over as well. I mean, thankfully, they've gone over great this tour, but. Yeah, we didn't know. Yeah. We, we kind of play them and feel them out and then, you know, see what we can do. Did they start sound checking? Huh? Did they start sound checking? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, again, to me, it's like your love for, for records and kind of being a, a record collector myself, it's like the detail that you put into your own records and something that you did for this tour was obviously the Eurobox set. Yeah. So, how did that kind of idea come about? Is that you wanted to do something a little bit different for, for this tour? Um, I mean, I've been wanting to do a box set for a bit. It's just it's an expensive endeavor, so it's like I had to kind of plan it out, and uh, you know, it's just I always approach like our records or our releases or in general what we do, like what I like, you know, to see other bands do or mm. what I like in a release, and I'm I love discography pressings and box sets, collecting like all this stuff like in one cohesive kind of packaging filled with a lot of history and like you know. So, and it caps to the point that we had so much stuff that was like, I wanted to kind of include as much of it as possible. Yeah. It's like, I, I hate feeling like stuff's missing. So it's, you know, there's a lot in there. And it took Dan and I quite a bit to put together. Mm -hmm. It was just a lot of material to gather, a lot of masters to track down. We had to talk to a couple of the older labels and just be like, hey, we're doing this, you know? And then like, there's just a lot of writing in the book. Too. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, 
you know, a lot to kind of type up and edit and, and work out, but it was just, we felt 15 years was a good, good marker to do something mm. like this. And, you know, we were essentially in between records, like Darkness has now been out for a year and we are just now kind of starting writing the next one. So okay, it cool. was like a good time, like, hey, we can kind of put this out, it won't kind of take away from anything else. Yeah, of course. It, you know, and it just kind of, you know, it was, it was fun to kind of revisit some of that mm. and just kind of reassess and be like, oh, this is And then, you know, Dan brings up a lot that he likes hearing how, like, you know, whatever 2017 Saturday Night Escape would play a song. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, we're, a, it's a different group of people. We're like, you know, I hope better musicians at this point. You yeah. Know, over time. And, you know, so it's cool to kind of hear, like, things and, like, you know, like different lead parts play differently or better, like, it's been fun. And I've got to ask you about your personal collection because I've heard different numbers rolling around. Well, I've, I, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I stopped counting a few years ago and the one I broke like 10,000 records, like it's pretty, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I love it. I mean, it's, it's what I'm passionate about. Even right now, like in the back of my mind, I'm like, what store is going to walk to? Yeah, yeah. Fine, like, because it's, in, without even like a list of mine, I just like the record shop. Yeah. I just like the culture of it and the history of like, you know, seeing what's here. Um, but yeah, I have, I have a fair amount of records. Have you got any particular favorites or like this, aesthetics wise or anything oh, at all? I mean, that's such a, a question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so many that are really important to me that are like everything from like, this is just really rare and cool to like, this is really sentimental yeah. to like, this is just a good sounding record, or like, you know, so it's hard to answer. No, no, I, I tell you, I'm like, <coughs> my collection is probably minuscule in compendiums. Like, I think I've just hit the 300 mark, so. Yeah, give it time, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Aaron was excited because he just filled his first, like, uh, shelving unit. So oh, okay, like, yeah, yeah. And then he had to, then he finally got around to, well, I'm going to alphabetize him now, and then he texted me, like, Later in the day, it's like that was hell. Yeah, it's like that's things like you, you think about like, you know, when it's time to get like a new shelf or something and you need to alphabetize something like in the middle, it's like it could be like an hour and a half process. Yeah, yeah. You know, file a record to like, but it's fun, you know, it's great. It's a good culture to be part of, I guess. And obviously, you've already mentioned writing processes have already kind of started for, for the new album and we discussed earlier in the tour that you might do other like sort of anniversary shows elsewhere so are there any other sort of concrete plans at the moment or is it just no, see how it goes? really like I said like we're kind of in the very beginning so right like Dan and I have been kind of bouncing ideas off each other and, you know Andy too is like working on stuff but you know like We'll kind of probably start focusing on that a little more. We got some, we're doing some shows at City of Caterpillar when we get back. And then, oh, after, okay. and then after that, um, I don't really know. Like, I mean, you know, we've talked about, like, there's nothing that I, I feel confident enough to talk about. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's because cool. it's like, they don't happen. I don't want to bump someone out. Or it's like, you know, there's always like, you wouldn't get to a certain point as a band, there's always like sort of a procedure to announce. Yeah, things. yeah, of like, course. You know, well, we're going to announce, I'm going to say it or do that. So it's, you know, I have to be mindful of it. But there's there's some stuff being done there. Cool. And, and before we wrap up the numbers, is there anything you'd like to, to put out into the world yourself to say? 
Yeah, there you go. Not I cool. mean, like, I think we're covering a lot of stuff. I guess just thank you for spending the time and talking to me and, you know, being interested in what we do. Perfect. Brilliant. Cheers. Thank you very much, Andy. Yeah, of course. Thank you. there you have it folks episode two done and dusted uh it's great talking to andy and really thankful for him taking the time out to sit and chat with me it's really interesting to actually hear how many lineups the the guys in the silence landscape have actually had um and gone through a number of changes throughout the, the 15 years they've been a band and still going super strong uh as andy mentions uh the guys as soon as they got back to the states did a did a couple of shows with city of caterpillar on their reunion which was, from what I've seen on social media, it seemed to be really well received, which really made up for the guys because, yeah, they're just an awesome band. Um, if you want to keep up to date with The Saddest Landscape uh, on social media, you can find them on Facebook at forward slash The Saddest Landscape. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Saddest Landscape, but the first A of landscape is missing, so just, I'm sure you'll be able to find it anyway. Uh, and then on Instagram, it's, uh, if you search The Saddest Landscape, it will come up. Uh, on in our next episode, I'm hoping to do uh, a roundtable review of uh, all the big weekends wrestling, which which includes NXT Takeover Sacramento and of course the January event, which is the Royal Rumble. I'm just trying to get a few people together to, to sort that out. So hopefully that will be coming to you soon. Um, but I'd love to hear your guys' views on on those events. So if you want to have your tweet read out or join in the discussion. Uh, find us at Twitter at just underscore and underscore insight. Uh, use the hashtag JAIPod and I can find your comments there. Or you can drop me an email at just underscore and underscore insight at hotmail.co.uk. Uh, the next interview that I'm hoping to do will be with uh, Kent based Doom band Ohms, who are signed on Holy Raw Records. Uh, currently, they're just sort of, fit, well, I believe the record is finished, but they're new. Full length is going to be coming out sometime this year, um, and they're doing a, a little little run of show. So I'm hoping to catch them in Basingstoke, where I work. So going to try and have a have a chat with them. And yeah, again, if you want to put any questions to Ohms, find us on Twitter or drop me an email, and I'll see if I can put it to the guys. So that pretty much wraps up episode two of the Justin Insight podcast. Thanks again for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and I will see you soon.